just reflection on anything spiritual, but a time to consider and think about and meditate on your Savior. Why he came. Why he came and, and did the things that he did. Why it was necessary for him to come. A time for us to, to think about not only our Savior, but the, the sin that, that brought Jesus to earth in order to suffer and die for us. It helps us begin to understand a bit, I think, why there are some of the traditions that there are in the church. Take, for example, the idea of giving something up for Lent. The idea behind it was that you'd give up something that you liked so that when you wanted it or had an urge for it, you would be able to, to stop for a moment and reflect about all that your Savior gave up in order for you to be saved. During the church's history, there was also the, also the tradition of fasting. Why? So that when your stomach grumbled and you thought about food, again, it would give you an opportunity, a moment to pause for a moment and, and think about the Savior who came and accomplished all that was necessary in order to take you to heaven. Using those, those little moments here and there in order to remind you of your Savior and, and what he's done for you. And so during the season of Lent, we take moments here and there, now and then, in order to reflect a bit and think about all that our Savior did in order to save us. In doing so, we can't help but think of and see our own sin, because that's the reason he came. And we can't help but also look into the future a little bit at the Easter that's coming and the victory that our Savior won in order to know that those sins have been forgiven and taken away. And so this evening, for a moment, we, we're going to go to the book of Job. We're going to look at the book of Job and be able to ask ourselves some questions that will help us reflect not only on our own lives, but on our Savior and all that he's accomplished for us. The book of Job opens by introducing us to a man named Job. And as you hear about Job, as we did just a few moments ago, there's a few things we learn about him, right? In those opening verses, we're told, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Job was blameless and upright. The writer of the book of Job wasn't telling us that Job was without sin, but by telling us Job was blameless was, is a way of saying that his, he had great personal integrity. There wasn't anything that you could look at as far as his life and, and blame him for. He was godly, right? In fact, we're told in the very next verses that as uh, Job's sons and daughters would get together for a feast, at the end of it, Job would make sure that his kids were purified. He'd be offering burnt offerings in order to make sure that, that perhaps if he missed one of his own sins or, or perhaps one of his kids had sinned, that the offering would, would cover that. He was a, a godly man shunned evil, 
right, took great delight in, in walking with God and following his commands, listening to his words, thinking about the promises God had given to him, so much so that he was considered the greatest man in the East. And God had richly blessed him, right? You go through that list of things that he was considered both by, by how he handled himself as well as the blessings that God had showered in his life, a, a, a great man. And so one day, when Satan came before him, before God, he asked a question. He asked God, does Job fear God for nothing? Does Job fear God for no reason? It's a question that really serves as the theme for the, almost the entire book of Job. The book of Job isn't so much about human suffering, although as you look through the pages of it, there is certainly a great deal of it. But more a question of, why does Job fear God? And as you look at it, there's really two questions, or two different ways that that question can be answered, right? Job fears God and trusts God because of all the blessings God has given to him. Job fears God because he's, he's afraid of God's punishment if he doesn't. Job fears God because Job trusts God's word, or Job trusts that as Job obeys God's word, God will reward him. Or, Job knows who his God is. He understands that before God, he doesn't have a single leg to stand on, and so he trusts in a God who has promised to be his redeemer. And as a result, he lives a life and has a fear of God that touches every aspect of who he is. So the question that Satan asked the Lord is, does Job trust you for no reason? Or is there a reason behind it? And the way Satan decides to go about it is, by ask, is for asking God's permission to begin to strip all of those blessings away from Job. Because then we'll see whether Job trusts you because of who you are or simply because of all the blessings you've given to him. And you go on through the rest of chapter 1, and Satan does just that strips Job of every last one of the blessings God had given to him. Flocks are gone. Herds are gone. Servants are gone. His children are killed. Until by the, end, by the time you get to nearly the end of chapter 1, Job is sitting in a pile of ashes, mourning, and the greatest man in the East has virtually nothing. gives us a, a moment to pause and consider, doesn't it? During the season of Lent, to think, where do we put our trust? Why do you fear God? Or if you want to think of it in the terms of Luther's explanation to the first commandment, right? God says, you shall have no other gods. Luther explained it by saying that you should fear, love, and trust in God 
above all things. Why do you fear, love, and trust in God above all things? Maybe especially so looking at all the things that are going on in the world around us, huh? I read an article this morning that said in the last week the stock market has gone 20 has dropped 20% since its highest point. Nearly a quarter. Right we're, we're looking at a, a world pandemic of a respiratory disease. Things are a bit uncertain, let's just say. Right that and and you add all you add those things now to just the the, the, the regular things that are going on in our own life. And it can, begin to be, it can begin to get a, a little overwhelming. Right? There's uncertainty about what, where things are going to go. Perhaps if you've watched your, your, your bank account, it's suddenly a lot lighter and a lot smaller than it was just a few weeks ago. You throw in some hardships, some sufferings into your own life. And maybe it's not quite on the same level as Job was. But Satan begins to use all the different things in our life, hardships, challenges, confusion, confusion, uncertainty in life. He strips all those things away so that you and I have the opportunity then to consider why is it? Do you trust God? Do you fear God for no reason? You look at how Scripture describes Job as a godly man, and you begin to understand why Job answered the question he did, as he did at the end of chapter 1, right? He sees all that God had taken away from him, and his response, with tears in his eyes, was to say, the Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. The name of the Lord be praised. Where was Job's confidence? Where was Job's trust? Even as he looked at situations in his life that seemed to make absolutely no sense. As he looked at his life and basically had it rocked to its very foundation where everything was gone, Job was still praising God. Why? Because Job's confidence and his joy in life wasn't found in the thousands of camels he owned, and the thousands of donkeys, and the hundreds of oxen. It wasn't found in his ten kids, or his wife, or anything else that made him the greatest man in the East. Job's confidence was found in the Lord. Now you look at the next 37-ish chapters, and you see that confidence shaken. Whose wouldn't be, huh? As he struggles, as his faith is being tempted and tested. But he keeps his confidence where it is. In fact, almost in the very middle of the book, Job proclaims, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, I will see him. I will see him with my own eyes. Right, in the middle of the book, as all these things have gone on in his life and his friends are offering him just horrible comfort and encouragement, 
by saying, Job, perhaps you've done something to anger God. Job keeps his confidence in the Redeemer that he knew and the God he knew loved him. So where is it, in the middle of hardship and challenges and trials and suffering, that you and I find our confidence? Because in those moments, it's easy to forget In those moments, it's easy to overlook God's love and to question God's plan. In the 1960s, the U.S. Navy came up with a way to encourage its sailors to not overcomplicate things. They used a simple acronym, and I'm sure you've heard it. KISS. Right? Keep it simple. I believe the official Navy way was simple and straightforward, but these days it's now keep it simple stupid, right? Or keep it stupid simple. In other words, as things begin to get complicated, things get overlooked. As things get complicated in your life, keep it simple. Go back to the the God that you know. Even when it seems as though God is completely gone, and abandoned and forgotten forgotten you, forgotten the promises he's given in your life, what do you know about God? What has he told you? He tells you that he loves you. He tells you that he loves you so much that he was willing to, to take on human flesh and come here on earth. Right? He, he knows your sin. He knows the challenges you go through because he's experienced them. Right? We heard just two weeks ago on Ash Wednesday, the writer to the Hebrews say that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. He knows the temptations that you and I struggle with because he's gone through them. We go back to those simple words that Jesus came and lived for us. He he died for us. He rose so that we could be absolutely certain that every last one of our sins has been washed away. So that in the middle of those trials and hardships and sufferings, as all sorts of things are swirling around us and and, and ready to overwhelm us, as we look at the things that, that terrify our hearts, that bring uncertainty to our minds, We can keep it simple, can't we? Like Job, we can go back and know that we have a God who loves me. A God who's redeemed me. A God who at the waters of my baptism adopted me into his family and washed my sin away. A God who promises that no matter how bad it gets here, he hasn't forgotten. And even when you and I can't see how in the world It could possibly be good for us. He's even given us that promise. A promise that that Job knew and understood, even though he wasn't around to hear Paul's words, right? That God works everything out for the good of those who love him. Job had a confidence in the promises of his Savior, Redeemer, that enabled him to say in the middle of the worst time in Job's life, the name of the Lord be praised. He had a confidence in God's promises that even this would work out for Job's good. And by the end, you see how God worked it out for his good. 
which means you and I, can have that same confidence as Job. Maybe what won't come to mind in the middle of those hardships and difficulties is, well, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. The name of the Lord be praised. But perhaps what comes to mind is just to keep it simple. God loves me. He's adopted me. He died for me. He rose to forgive me. And one day he promises me a a place in heaven where all this goes away. Where sin and death are non-existent. Where there aren't going to be uncertainties in life that bring terror and fear to my heart. Instead, there'll just be joy of being able to see my Savior, my Redeemer, face to face. And so as you look at the book of Job, as you you look at Job, it gives us an opportunity to pause in the middle of Lent and consider. Why do I fear the Lord my God? Why do I trust God? Job knew. Do you? Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, about three-quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 1015 with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.